from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome to the show. I'm Jay Scorheim, your host. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. Matt, you having a good day? I am having a great day. Thank love you it. Me. I love a good day. I love it. Can't get enough of it. All right. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to tonight. We have on the show tonight, you guys won't even believe, Elmo... Not the character. He's not coming on. He's a puppet. He's not coming on. But he does get punched in the face. So if you're interested in seeing that or hearing it, you can't see it on the radio, but you can hear it. We're going to play that for you in just a little bit. So stick around for that. Um, but we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, earlier today, I just want to tell you guys real fast. I like to use this first couple minutes of the show to try to get some things off my chest. And this is unique to women, I think. Uh, and I, love, I want to also preface this by saying I love my wife. But... So earlier today, as you know, uh, I don't have to come into work until like 5.30. That's just kind of the way it works. I do all my prep at home. I get ready for the show. I do all my reading and, you know, look for audio and all the stuff that makes the show the show. Uh, Matt and I are able to accomplish those things away from work here. And then I come in around 5.30 and we get the show up on its feet. And then 7 o'clock right now, 7.07, we get to be on the air live with you guys. And it's great. So anyway, this morning... That, because we work late, I get home way after 10, and then it's bedtime. So because we work late in the mornings, I take a little I take a little downtime. I get the kids dropped off at school. I stop by. Maybe I pick up a donut if I'm feeling like I deserve it. And I'm sitting on the couch this morning, and I'm eating an apple fritter, loving life. And I'm catching up on, I think I was watching uh, uh, True Detective at the time. Great show, by the way. Good season. And I'm watching it. And I'm enjoying it. And my wife comes in and she says, hey, what are you doing there? Kicking your feet up, just relaxing, enjoying life. And I said, oh, I'm just watching True Detective. And she sees me like eating my donut. Maybe there's just something about seeing her husband in sweats at 930 in the middle of a weekday eating a donut. And it just got to her a little bit. And she's also pregnant right now. And so she goes, hey, you know what? Uh, can you go ahead and power wash the deck? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's the middle of winter time. It would kind of be pointless to power wash the deck right now. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Now, I'm not, I'm like, these are internal thoughts. I'm not saying to my wife that she's not making a lot of sense because, well, you can't reason with Otherwise, a pregnant woman. Otherwise, you're coming That's, here looking injured. Yeah, I would look, I, it wouldn't be a good thing. So I'm, I'm like, well, you know, sweetie, I'm kind of busy right now, sitting here on the couch, eating a donut, watching True Detective at 930 in the morning. Uh, maybe I can do that when the weather starts warming up in like a month and a half because that's when it would make sense to do it, in spring. Right now, it's just going to keep dropping leaves and rain and maybe snow at times. It's going to get dirty. It's a waste of time to power wash the deck. She goes, all right, well, um, I think I'm going to do it then. And I'm like, all right. Now she's for, and now she's threatening to go out and get the power washer and hook up the hose and do all the different things. And I know that it's just a threat because she's almost five months pregnant. I'm like, all right, well, you're five months pregnant. You shouldn't do that. She goes, well, somebody's got to do it. So now I have to power wash this deck. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm doing it, as I'm outside, just power washing the deck when I should be eating a donut on the couch. Uh, no, to be fair, I finished the donut and I finished the episode. Very good. Uh, but as I'm out there power washing the deck, I'm thinking to myself, this is a very unique thing to wives. No husband at any time, at least not ones that I've ever heard of that have survived to tell the tale, walk in on their wife sitting down with their feet up, watching Beverly Housewives or whatever they're watching and they say, you know what, sweetie, I've got a list for you to take care of. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And so I, 
I dare you to try it, men. I'm if you're sure out it there, happened once in history, but that was probably enough. No, for it's us never to learn. happened, Matt. No, hu- <laughs> no husband has ever done that. And if they do, yeah, they made the mistake once and they never made it again. So this is my advice to you, Matt, because you're not married yet. But someday when you're married, yes. What is your sage advice? Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Yeah, this will happen to don't you. Don't get married. No, no, no. get married. <laughs> Don't come to her with lists. This will happen to you all the time. Okay. She'll come to you with lists. She's going to have all these lists. Husbands don't come to their wives with lists. If you are a husband who has successfully gotten your wife to do things on a list, you can feel free to text me, 888-973-5476. I will text you right back, and I will call you a liar. Did she ever elaborate on why it needed to be done today? Dude, she's pregnant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing you're going to pick up on. Uh, when your wife is pregnant, she just she has very specific needs. And a lot of it doesn't make sense. I've been moving a lot of furniture around my house lately. And then I move it and she hates it and it goes right back to where it was. We had a carpet she picked up the other day. She's like, oh, I think this under, there's a table needs a rug. I'm like, I don't know. Why does the table need a rug? Uh, not on the top of the table, underneath. She's like, it's just, I don't know. Does it feel loud in here? Does it feel loud in where we eat? And I was like, no, nah, I'm fine with it. I think it's all right. So she gets this rug and she, we have to move the table and the chairs and we put it under. And then the next day she goes, I need your help lifting the table. I got to get rid of this rug. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm pregnant. So it's like, even she knows it's hormonal. And uh, I'm checking my watch. We got four months and uh, I can stop moving stuff around the house. All right, let's get to trivia today. We're going to play some uh, a trivia. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with this, I play a movie clip every single day. And then in the news roundup, I will tell you what this movie clip is from. If you don't successfully guess it on the text line, which you are more than welcome to do. And we highly encourage the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888 Good luck on this one. Here it is. This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. What a hype. Sounds like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites. All of you. You got a problem with what I'm saying, Larry? Untie your tongue and you come out here and talk, huh? Am I upsetting you, princess? You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong film. I'll give you a a winter prediction. It's going to be cold, it's going to be gray, and it's going to last you for the rest of your life. (laughs) For the rest of your life. Uh, There is something happening tomorrow in Punxsutawney, and I can't tell you what it is because it would give away the answer to that trivia question. But good luck. Hit me up on the text line, and if not, I'll see you in the news roundup. All right, let's get right to it. We have more on the Pajama Prowlers, guys. They've hit again. At least they think it could be them. You guys don't know who the Pajama Prowlers are. There was these girls that were caught on camera about a week ago in Bellevue. And in one night, they broke into 18 cars, according to the Bellevue police. And that's a big problem. Now, why are they called the Pajama Prowlers? Well, it's because they're breaking in at night, one, when people might wear pajamas. But in this case, these three girls who are on all these cameras, on these ring cams that they've been captured on, they're actually wearing matching pajamas. I don't know why they're doing that. Maybe they thought it was funny. Maybe they thought it was a clever outfit to wear. But it did remind me of these two guys. You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. The wet bandits, the pajama prowlers. These are... These are, if you want to get famous in the world of thievery, if you want people to know your name, you got to come up with a really fancy, easy to say, easy to remember name. And Pajama Prowlers is it. I think that works. Don't you, Matt? 
Yeah, you got to have a catchphrase. It's all about the branding. It's all about the branding. Um, all right, so let's see here. They have now expanded. They they suspect that they have expanded their reach. It now stretches into not just Bellevue, but Kent, Seattle, Federal Way. Arrests have been made. The police are not speaking out on it yet. So I'm thinking that they're possibly connected, all these different things. The other possibility is that these are copycat crimes. Wouldn't be hard to copycat these crimes. Just put on some pajamas and break into a car, and people are going to assume that you're the pajama prowlers. I'm not suggesting that anybody do that. They shouldn't do that. But um, if these people are the same prowlers and they're wearing pajamas in all these different cases, they're pretty mobile, and you should watch out. Police say the easiest way to keep from being broken into is don't keep valuables in your car, including coats. Just like keep everything away from the windows so they can't see them. If you have valuables, stick them in the trunk or better yet, take them inside with you. All right. So James Lynch, he is uh, reporting on this story. He's going to join us next to talk about it. There's some really funny details about this and you guys don't want to miss that. So stick around. We're going to have that next year on Cairo Nights. But let's move on. All right. This story didn't make me feel good, but I thought I'd just bring it back to you guys real fast. You guys remember that Boeing flight, that uh, 737 MAX plane, lost that plug sitting over the uh, um, emergency exit door. They call it a plug when it's not being used as an emergency exit door, but it's essentially what it was. It burst off in midair, 16,000 feet. The plane, thankfully, made an emergency landing. Nobody was hurt, but we now have these whistleblowers. We have people speaking out about Boeing, and they're saying that these problems are internal, and they suspect they know why these are happening. So some former high-level Boeing managers and engineers are issuing some pretty startling warnings to avoid the 737 MAX plane if you are going to be flying. Listen to this. One Boeing manager's name is Ed Pearson. He talked to the LA Times. He said, I would absolutely, he's a former uh, Boeing manager. Uh, he said, I would absolutely not fly a MAX airplane right now, which is kind of a bummer because there's a lot of those planes, particularly here in the Pacific Northwest. We have a lot of Boeing flights that would make me very nervous. Uh, he says, I worked with the, in the factory where they were built, and I saw the pressure employees were under to rush the planes out the door. That's never what you want to hear. Joe Jacobson, he's a former Boeing engineer. He also worked at the Federal Aviation Administration, it's the FAA for us, and he gave a similar warning. He said it was premature for airlines, including Alaska. This is his uh, assessment. He says he thinks it's premature for Alaska to have resumed flying those jets. And Jacobson further went on to tell the LA Times, I would tell my family to avoid the MAX. That's kind of scary, and it makes me think, like, if I'm flying out of SeaTac or something, and I'm waiting to board my plane, like we all do, and we go and we look out at the plane at the gate, and we're just staring at it, and they always have the little plane, whatever it is, might say, might say 737-800 uh, or whatever it is on it. If I see 737, I'm getting kind of nervous. I'm not happy to be flying that plane. Are you guys experiencing that same thing? Is this giving you anxiety? I don't like it. I don't fly a ton, and I'm not a great flyer. If I'm going to fly, I usually try to do it with a couple of Heineken. As soon as I take off, just makes me feel better about the flight. But this makes me nervous. This guy, his name is Ed Pearson. Uh, he was the one who talked to LA Times. He also talked to Cairo 7. This is a couple days old, but I think it's very relevant still. And he says when he saw that the plug came off of that Boeing 737 MAX, he wasn't surprised. Were you surprised when you heard about what happened this past week? Not at all. Um, in fact, we were just thankful that it wasn't you know a fatality we've been monitoring when i say we there's a group of us that have been working together um for several years now just closely monitoring the max you know we were actually monitoring the max before it went back into service and we've been very concerned by what we've been seeing and some of the data and some of the reports um issues involving production quality 
again, this is uh, Ed Pearson, former Boeing Boeing manager. He's no longer with Boeing, and he was talking to Kyra Seven. Engineering exemptions that are being requested. So we we've been very um, dialed in and, and concerned, and we've been trying our best to get the word out to people. We've been working with Congress, um, working with the FAA, you know, working with anybody that would talk to us because the public message is everything's fine, the plane's out there, there's billions of dollars being sold, you know, billions of dollars worth of airplanes being sold. And, and obviously, I, I just want to say up front, because I, sometimes I forget to say this, but I want to say it, is that I am a big fan of the Boeing company. And that my family has worked at the Boeing company, I have friends that work at the Boeing company, and I want the company to be successful. And unfortunately, when you see these kinds of things that are happening, and then you know, putting passengers at risk and flight crews at risk, um, you know, feel obligated to speak up. So that's what we've been trying to do as a team. We have a foundation that we're trying to um, really raise attention on matters. So I guess it's a long answer, Glenn, but not at all. We weren't surprised at all. So he says he's not surprised at all, and he puts it squarely on a very specific set of shoulders. Uh, who is to blame? And it, it really is a leadership, complete, utter leadership failure right now. So here's the other thing. He says uh, uh, why he's speaking up right now. He tells this really sad story about a guy, and he says these are the people we're speaking up for. There's so much out there that the public doesn't know about, and there was a gentleman, a Canadian, who lost his entire family. His name's Paul Jarogi, and he lost. he's a Toronto native, and he lost his whole family, his three kids, and his wife and his mother-in-law. And he told me on a podcast, he said, Ed, if I had known, if I, had, if I, if I was informed and I knew that that plane had any problems, I never would have put my family on it. And so we've taken that as kind of one of our mantras and decided that we're going to, that's why we created the foundation, is we want to shed a light on things that we think that the public is unaware of. You know, and you shouldn't have to worry. You should be able to go on your phone and get your ticket, go to Expedia, go through the you know, gate. You know, you shouldn't have to go, what, what model is this? Is this, you know, is this a max? That's, that is a frightening reality to be faced with. We we're just talking about it a second ago. Like the idea that you're sitting out there and you're wondering, all right, is this a 737 Max or is this an Airbus? Because I feel a little more confident in Airbus right now. And I really like Boeing. Honestly, I have a ton of friends who work at Boeing. I have uh, a huge history loving Boeing because I grew up in this region and I totally understand how Boeing is responsible, hugely responsible for giant, successful periods of this economy locally here in Washington. And not just here in Washington. They have, like, advanced aerospace around the world for 100 years. Go do the Boeing tour. It is amazing the things that Boeing has accomplished. But, for whatever reason, they seem to be having some issues with the 737. They need to figure that out fast because it makes me really nervous to fly it. I would be nervous to fly it. Would you, be, would you fly a 737 right now, Matt? I would not. I would be looking for another flight, another plane. And we see airlines who are now saying, hey, we're going to be really cautious right now about, and I would imagine this would, you know, start to trickle down into sales. Like, are airlines going to be buying these 737s? No, that's already a concern. They're not going to want to order more of them. And what was the plane? Was it the 737? They had to park all those 737s out in like Renton? You remember that a couple years ago? Uh Uh-huh. Same one. So what is going on? Boeing's got to solve this problem. All right. uh, But obviously, we're not going to solve it on the radio. But I want to bring that to you guys there. All right. That was kind of a downer of a topic, but the rest of the show, I promise, it's upbeat, it's entertaining, we're also going to have a lot of fun, and you're going to hear about a lot of great stuff. Matt, what do we got coming up? 
Coming up on tonight's edition of Cairo Nights, we'll be joined by Cairo News Radio reporter James Lynch. He's got the latest on the case of the Bellevue Pajama Bandits. Also, Elmo has been attacked. Find out the name of the miscreant responsible later tonight. And a TV show that is pretty, pretty, pretty good returns for its final season in three days. Find out more about that along with the news roundup next on Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special friend on the show with me right now. He is a Cairo News Radio reporter. His name is James Lynch. Welcome to the show, James. Well, thank you, Jake. I wanted to ask you, you have this great story. No, no, wait a second. I've got something that I want to ask you, and we can bring your listeners in. Okay, Because you're obviously getting ready to have your fourth son. Yes. You were asking for names. That's right. My suggestion is (laughs) D'Artagnan. That's right. the, The fourth musketeer. I think it's a great name. It is a good name. You're did right. you mention it to your wife? Okay, so here's the thing. You did mention this. You've asked me about it a few times. Uh, I I was not sure that you were serious about that suggestion, so I haven't brought it up to my wife yet. But now that I can tell you're serious, I will I will bring it up with her. It'd so, be interesting to see just what she thinks of. It's a good. You know what it is. It's a good strong name. I like the idea, like you mentioned, that is the fourth musketeer name. So it makes sense. We have the three musketeers kind of right now with my three boys. The fourth one, who kind of is like. The little hero, you know, looking up to the big brothers. I think it's a very it's a very good suggestion. I should take it seriously. And you can shorten it. You can call him Dar or you could call him Tanyan. Tanyan. There, there are a lot of lot Tanyan of options. sounds like an orange drink that astronauts would drink, doesn't it? <laughs> it um, does. All right, a little bit like Tang. Okay, so you have this story. I find this story really fascinating because it's just it kind of grabs your attention. There's pajama prowlers that are prowling around. Originally, I think it was just in one neighborhood in Bellevue, and they hit like 18 vehicles in one night. And the thing that makes this unique is that it is, by all appearances, it's three youngish teenager to 20-something girls wearing pajamas, breaking into cars. Pajama bottoms and hoodies, matching pajama bottoms and hoodies. And not only in Bellevue, uh, uh, we've seen this happen down in Kent. We've seen it happen in Federal Way. Uh, It's also happened down in Tacoma. Now, what police are doing, they're trying to work together uh, to see if, if one group is responsible for all of these or if perhaps there are copycats out there or something like that. So we're still waiting on that. That's a wide-ranging zone, though. I mean, I would would think— I would think it would be a copycat crime because it's so specific. I can't imagine. And, and so somebody would go, oh, you know what's really genius? Let's dress up like these pajama girls and we can get away with it because they're just going to pin it on these people up in Lake, uh, Lake was it Lakewood or not Lakewood? Uh, Bellevue. It was, uh, Bellevue. Mm-hmm. In Bellevue originally. And there's like camera footage of them doing it and there's pictures and it looks like ring cams and stuff like that. And how are they breaking into these cars? Oh, they're using a hammer. You know, <laughs> they, they use a hammer, hammer or anything heavy that they can get. But in the video that we've seen, uh, they walk up to the car, use a hammer. And this is in, in full view of a ring doorbell. So you can see them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's obviously the ring has a, a bit of a, a, a nighttime yeah, uh, like lens an, on Almost it. looks like a night vision. Almost like a night vision. So yeah. you can even, they don't cover their faces very much. They are wearing hoodies, but uh, you can really get a good look at, at who they are. Now, down in Federal Way where it's happened, Federal Way has made uh, uh, a couple of arrests. 
uh, for a couple of incidents that they've had down there. So now these departments are working together to kind of piece together if they're related. Now, uh, Bellevue PD told me that they might have some information today or tomorrow. Now their investigators say that they're going to push that back and hopefully they'll have more information on it next week. Well, that makes me think that maybe there's a break in the case. And well, maybe yeah, I thought the same thing. And, and I thought it would come to is they're getting together with the folks down south and they they're going to bring us some pajama some pajama party information. Very well could be and before you before you say that um I I think it 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 should be said that in my opinion, anyway, if they if they had something to link it, I would think that they would they would know about it pretty soon. Yeah. In other words, they look at the video and the, and they could tell if they've got any. I kind feel of like evidence. I could get to the bottom of it with the video. I mean, these faces are very clear. Officer Jake. Officer Jake. I should do it. It did remind me of this. Do you remember? The, do you, Do you know the Home Alone movies? Oh yeah. Okay. Do you remember this in those movies? You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. We're the wet bandits. <laughs> and it made me think, I'm wondering, these girls, obviously, this is a coordinated thing. They didn't all just show up dressed exactly exactly alike. So they must have gotten their heads together and they said, hey, we need a, we need like a, a catchy name. We could be the Pajama Prowlers. Do you think that they came up with that name before or was that a law enforcement thing? I mean, because it's that's what they are. They're wearing pajamas and they're prowling. Why? Pajama prowlers, I I liked a lot. Usually, it's police that come up with it or the media. Do we and know we, who came up with it? Because it is a not, very catchy name. We do not know who came. up with We should trace that it. back and find out who came up with that. Moniker. I I liked the name though. I thought it was interesting. But an, another thing on that, it would seem to me that this is likely. Um, a group of friends, uh, because I had one other reporter in the newsroom say, well, maybe they just decided, hey, let's go out and get matching pajamas. I think they're friends who already had matching pajamas. And they said, let's just go out and break into some cars. Put on some hoodies and break in cars. We see all these stories these days about the Kias, like, Kia, you know, Kia boys, these like young adolescents stealing cars. And now we have these youngish looking teenage, maybe 20 something girls breaking into cars why, why do you think we're seeing so many of these stories now? Well, I think it, it comes down to, to brain development. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I, you know. Or underdevelopment. Yeah. Or underdevelopment. With, with but commonly, kids, yeah. the brain is developing until you're about 25. So uh, they don't make good decisions uh, at that young age. So perhaps that, that has something to do with it. But how uh, a group of girls, a group of boys, whatever, uh, could come up with something like this. That has such a shock factor to the victims, yeah, inconvenience to the victims, oh, and financial expense to the victims. I mean, they, they just break a window, but the ramifications of their actions spread widely after they're gone. And they don't, and, and because they're teenagers, probably they just don't think about it, and, or they don't care, or they don't care. Likely, I was at a uh, comedy show the other night. Do you know who Nate Bargatze is? He's a comedian. I believe so. Yeah, really funny guy. So I was at the, um, I think it's called the Angel of the Winds Arena, but it was up in Everett. It was at Everett Arena. Yep. And great show. He sold out the show. There's like ten thousand seats in that place, and he set some record. Like literally every seat in the place was filled. So after the show, my wife and I are walking back to our car. And we decided not to park in one of those little lots near the stadium, near the arena, because they were like 40 bucks. You could just like find street parking a couple blocks further away, which is what we did. And I felt so bad. I'm following this this couple, 
and they're walking back and I'm hearing them just like, oh, what a great show. And they're laughing and retelling each other the jokes. And they turn the corner and they go into the $40 an hour, I'm sorry, for the $40 event lot. And they walk up to their car and their windows are smashed out because they had forgotten something in their car that they didn't realize they left in plain view. And it's just that simple. Somebody walks up, bam, they smack the window, it shatters, they steal whatever's inside the window. And again, like you said, for the person doing it, the teenager, whoever it was, some person who's just decided to break into cars, they're not thinking about the ramifications of that. That ruined their night, you know? They're going to have to call insurance now, and they're going to go have drop their car off at some, you know, car repair shop that is or isn't going to have a, me- a, a window immediately available. That's going to take days. They're driving around. They're going to have to put up one of those garbage bra- bags with, like, tape just to get the window closed so it's not raining in the car. Stop breaking into cars, teenagers. That's not nice. Even if you're doing it in cute pajamas and getting everybody's attention, it's not a good idea. Well, the best piece of advice, and police will tell you this, leave nothing nothing in your car. Yeah. Nothing in the glove box, nothing in the console, but most importantly, nothing in open view. Yes. There are some people think, oh, well, you know, I can leave a jacket on the back seat. You can't even leave a jacket. There's a lot of people who need jackets. They would love a jacket. And they'll break a window to get it. So yeah. I make sure inside my car that there is nothing in my car ever. Because yep. I've had my car broken into. Me too. Uh, before, so I make sure that there is nothing left in my car. Yeah, well, good advice. All right, James Lynch, he's on top of this pajama prowler story. We're going to stick with him and find out more about it when he knows more. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Jake. And I'm really going to consider that D'Artagnan name. It's a I good think, suggestion. I think you should. Your son will thank you later. He will thank me later. Absolutely. All right, that's James Lynch, and we have a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. All right, this is kind of, this audio is really funny. This this can be something we can just enjoy together. We can laugh at it. Excuse me. (laughs) Took a drink of tea there. My bad. Laugh at it, cough at it. Laugh at it. Yeah, you're right, Matt. We can cough at this too. All right, do you guys know who Colin Cowherd is? He is a very popular sports commentator and says a lot of stuff. So he was talking about this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey topic that everybody in the world seems to have an opinion on. And Colin Cowherd apparently is must be a Taylor Swift fan or he must really be a Travis Kelsey fan. I don't know what his angle is here, but he certainly seems to think that anyone who doesn't like seeing Taylor Swift at these games or on the TV at these games has... Problems with just women in general. Listen to this. I don't know if this sounds like straight thinking here. I just don't understand this. This this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But this is Colin Cowherd talking about anyone, specifically men. He's targeting men here. Talking about men who are complaining about Taylor Swift being featured on these NFL games. There's a lot of really weird, lonely, insecure men out there. Um, the fact that a pop star, the world's biggest pop star, is dating a star tight end who had one of his greatest games ever, and a network puts them on the air briefly, that it bothers you, what does that say about your life? Judge people sometimes on the silly stuff that bothers them. It'll tell you a lot about them. When I hear this whole thing about Taylor Swift, I just want to watch football. Liar. You're lying. That's not true. A football telecast is not just football. In fact, the commercials for four hours before the Super Bowl will be widely watched. 
Did you know statistically in a three and a half hour NFL playoff broadcast or regular season broadcast, just 18 minutes are actual football. And oh. we have the data. We have the numbers. You don't turn away. There's coaches cutaways. They show fans in Buffalo on fire, uh, commercials, reviews, 18 minutes. It's actually about 12 minutes. We talked about this the other day. It's about 12 minutes of actual hike to whistle playtime. Of real football. For the record, about the length of five Taylor Swift songs. Listen to this. The New York Times measured how long she was actually on the broadcast. Do you know how long it is on average? 25 seconds in three and a half hours. Against the Ravens, it was up to a whopping 32 seconds. It was 14 Chiefs and Raiders on Christmas. 12 Chiefs and Bengals. Uh, <laughs> what? What do you say there? 12 Chiefs and Bengals. Who are the Bengals? Uh, I think I missed that game. The Bengals. Uh, okay, so this is funny. He says that people don't have a problem when there's famous men at these games. They do have a problem when it's a woman. Now, there's a lot of problems with what he's saying here, but I'll let him say it. Here's the other thing that strikes me. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Bingles and McConaughey. I love him. Drake on everything. Spike Lee, Knicks games. Eminem, Michigan sporting events. We celebrate it. 80s, 90s, Jack Nicholson, Laker games. It's cool. Saw Jack. But a talented and beautiful woman is on the air. One who would never pay attention to lonely men, and it bothers them. <laughs> He's, I think he's taking this a little bit too far. I also think it sounds like, I don't know, I mean, he did like a four-and-a-half-minute segment on this. I think Colin Cowherd is quite a Taylor Swift fan, if you know what I mean. I have to say, though, I totally disagree with this. I'm annoyed with any time the NFL shows us somebody that we're supposed to care about who's not part of the football team. So when Matthew McConaughey was supporting his beloved Texas football team, yeah. when they were playing against the Huskies, I remember. and they kept cutting to shots of Matthew McConaughey on the sideline, I got so angry. And I love Matthew McConaughey. I but generally like him. you as a like media him. person know why they do it, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah because, because people it, find it exciting, or some people People do. find it exciting. They get all jazzed up, and they like it. It's a marketing ploy, and that's what people don't like. It's not because they're sexist. It's because they don't like the marketing ploy. And yes, the NFL is just one big marketing ploy. I understand that. It's a business, and so is college football. But this idea that he's trying to pin it all on lonely men just seems kind of weird, and I don't quite understand it. I, I just don't agree with I him. I get his root point, but he probably took it too far. But I imagine, especially on the darker corners of the internet, there are probably some of those dudes who are specifically directing it at Taylor Swift. I, I mean, there's a lot of dark corners on the internet. If we're if we're trying to like target anything on dark corners of the internet, you're wasting your time. Uh, but he says, lonely men. That's who the problem is. And this, and then he starts getting a little bit weird. He starts giving us some stats about lonely men. There's a stat out there. It's kind of uncomfortable for you sad guys that 50% of men never have real intimacy with a woman. That means the other 50% have multiple intimate relationships with women. Why, why would it be multiple intimate relationships with women? That doesn't make any sense. 50% of men don't have intimate relationships with women. And the other 50% have multiple what, how, how does he come to that conclusion? Like a, one guy and many what, girls? What does he mean? Does he mean like is he so, dating yeah, is, one person after the other? Or is, is he, he saying that that's polygamous? better? I don't is that know. what people should be doing? Is that what Colin Cowherd does? I doubt it. And those ones that don't are angry and sad and lonely, and they are often misogynistic and resent women who didn't give them the time they think they deserve. He also says that we should judge people on the silly things that bother them. 
We celebrate all these goofballs jumping on tables in Buffalo and cheese hats and men and men and Matthew McConaughey and Drake and Jack Nicholson, men and men and men and Eminem and it's cool and can I get a selfie and I can't believe I saw. And a young, attractive, beautiful, talented woman comes on for 25 seconds and you're bothered. Again, judge people by the silly things that bother them. All right, to be fair, can I tell you what bothers me? 12 Chiefs and Bingles. Uh, <laughs> Chiefs and Bingles. What's he talking about? Uh, all right, so I want to ask the question. All right, I can see, I understand the point he's trying to make. I get it. I'm not a dummy. I understand. And I'm sure, like Matt says, there's some places in the dark corners of the internet, maybe even on the dark web, where there are some sad guys in basements who feel like they have been cells, yes. Who feel like they have been uh, snubbed by somebody like Taylor Swift, and so they're you're shaking their fists at her because they feel like she's uh, you know she's a woman, and they just don't get attention from women. But what about women who don't care about Taylor Swift? Lisa, do you think it's real, or are you a cynic? I don't care. Yeah, Lisa, how could you say something so misogynistic? That doesn't make sense. All right, we got a lot more. Coming up on the show, stick around. News Roundup, it's coming up next. I promise you're not going to want to miss it. It's a great one. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights.